0: seekers, explorers, and renegades out there. Welcome to another episode of the Alchemy Experience podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Lemke. We often hear people talking about how much suffering there is in the world. Uh, a bit more appropriate if people talked about how much pain there is in the world, because pain and suffering are linked but different things. Now, suffering is a result of pain, but the suffering is actually a choice as to uh, how we perceive our pain. It becomes a result of how we look at our own pain and how we decide we want to uh, deal with that pain within ourselves. Pain is not something we can avoid, it is inevitable, it is part of uh, being human, part of being alive, but the suffering is entirely optional to your uh, own perception and uh, the way you treat your own pain. Some of you might feel uh, triggered by these statements. But uh, let's see if we can break it down a little bit further so that you can get in on the train of thought that we're developing here. And uh, see if there might be elements that you might agree with, or might challenge you, or you know, might help you think in a different way. We're not here for you to agree with everything, but at least for you to start asking the questions. So let's uh, get started. Enjoy! We have a gentleman by the ma- uh, name of Haruki Marakami, uh, who was a uh, well. He's a long-distance runner, and he wrote a book called uh, "What I Talk About When I Talk About Running." But there's a piece of wisdom in his quote here: "Pain is inevitable; suffering is optional." and for anybody who's familiar with buddhism uh, that is kind of along the lines of their teachings as well so if we look at uh, the buddhistic aspect of um, suffering it is when you real or when you realize that you are suffering you can then choose not to suffer any longer so when we look at the emotion or the Suffering—it's the emotion or the feelings that come up that are the pain, and then we suffer because of that pain. So the way I look at it is that we have emotion, which is pain, and then we have the thoughts that come up as as a as a result of the pain or the emotion, and that's when we can either accept accept the the pain, or we can uh, kind of perpetuate the pain by holding on to the uh, to the emotion.
1: Hi, thank you very much, Chris. Um, yeah, suffering is very uncomfortable um, subject, and I suppose it was a long time for me before I get to the point that in order to enjoy life, uh, I just need to embrace suffering and pain, because even if you <laughs> And i suppose the suffering is the key component in pretty much every aspect of our dimension and our every dimensions of our existence in this planet whether you take learning whether you take it like human experience suffering is everywhere so if you want to learn new skill you need to fail and you fail multiple times and then you learn you grow you know uh you the, the best feedback whether you learn a new language, how to play a new musical instrument, whatever, the, the best feedback comes with from failure. Mm-hmm. That provides you with the best feedback. And of course, that failure, it feels uncomfortable. Same when it comes to physical exercise, exercises, whether it's the running or you know, martial art. I don't know any sensei who would say, you know, you can get to the black belt with no pain whatsoever in order to get to black belt you need to learn how to fail, fail quickly, stand up and do it. Same principles of science, like Richard Feynman uh, said, and multiple scientists actually were saying that, you know, in order to do the research, we need to learn how to fail quickly mm-hmm. and regroup and get on with it. So yeah, pain is, just, is, is so embedded in our experience. If we are looking at the child, who learns how to walk, the number of times that child collapses on the floor is unbelievable. But you know, the child never says, ah, you know, nah, I'm never gonna learn how to walk. It is so embedded within our blueprint that we need to walk, then you know, no matter how many times that we collapse, we stand up and we go. So everything that all of the aspects of, our, of pain that we learn afterwards is the social conditioning. And if you go to the gym to build muscle, you feel pain. You, what you do basically, you break, you have the purpose to break your muscle, so your muscle have the uh, more opportunities to grow. And when we feel pain, we say, "Oh, you know, my muscles are sore." So, but it's good feeling. It's painful, but it's good because they grow. But when we go through suffering that is not imposed by us, then we label it as something negative. But well, is it? really pain that is negative or is your relationship with that pain so that and that comes back to that um buddhist perspective that you were saying that pain is uh, inevitable inevitable but suffering is it's just the relationship that we have with that pain mm-hmm. you know makes us suffer or no so although it is um very uncomfortable well if something is uncomfortable just throw yourself into it and get familiar with that pain we get familiar how it it feels and that's the stoic way so i think that we had the conversation over the ryan holiday um mm-hmm. yesterday and that that would be you know his thing to say and this is exactly what my tattoo says here the obstacle is the way it's just like if something feels hard do it
0: yeah so the uh, yeah, I was going to say if you hadn't mentioned the Stoic philosophy, I was going to ask you to uh, t- look at the uh, uh, describe to us the Stoic uh, perception of uh, of uh, suffering and pain. But absolutely, it's the whatever we do, growth is painful, and it's how we move through growth and come over, come out on the other side that is determining whether it's suffering or not. Uh, that's the way I look at it. Anybody else have any uh, uh, perception that you want to share on pain versus suffering or suffering as as its own entity as well? Meli?
2: Yeah, this is interesting because um, I've came across some teachings recently, that really focused on the on the free will. And how um, at any point in life, we can always decide that we prefer to go through uh, life uh, with ease and and grace, let's say, rather than pain and struggle and suffering. Doesn't mean it will completely disappear. But then uh, these teachings that come from uh, Andean shamanism Testify that you can, at some point, decide in your um, uh, in your soul that okay, this has been enough, and I decide to to choose uh, to to choose um, to flow and dance rather than going against the current. So in there, there is that dimension of suffering, struggle pain that uh then that comes with an aspect of choice mm-hmm. and i know that it's really um it is really difficult i'm like trying to wipe my head myself around this new concept because what you feel what you experience is true pain and an emotional struggle um when you when you face something challenging then you know it's true you feel it Uh, so it's about finding that micro space where you you can think oh wait a minute uh if I have a choice really can I try to choose not to suffer or maybe not to suffer that much that could probably be a good starting step um so yeah
3: so so so
2: so, yeah There was just yeah that I think there is a dimension of 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 choice to some extent. Excellent,
0: thank you Malie and I think it's interesting here now we have the Stoke philosophy, we have uh, the Buddhist uh, perception of it and now the Andean uh, shamanistic tradition um, and they're all kind of leading back to the same thing of choice right.
4: i was going to speak about multiple intelligences because there's a lot of things where they've been able to find that there are over 14 different multiple intelligences and people have different things. And so I think that suffering is also commensurate with the capacity for deep feeling. And I think that not everybody is wired the same. There are certain people who are so completely nonchalant about many, many things. And it's that whole adage that people say of ignorance is bliss. I mean, you look at somebody who is so completely unaffected by things that affect someone else incredibly deeply. And we don't necessarily know why that other person is so deeply affected while the other person is literally not affected at all. And so that's the part about where I think that, for example, myself, I feel things very deeply. I mean, one of the multiple intelligences being able to feel in nature and in different beautiful spots around the world. I know that for example, being at the Grand Canyon, standing at the, the mouth of the canyon at a sunset, it's one of the most beautiful sights to behold, but it's like those are almost like waves of emotions that kind of come over your body because there's a sublime feeling to it because it's almost an ecstasy because it's such a beautiful thing. But someone else sees that and they drive by, they go, eh, sunset, Pfft, who cares? You know to them they don't really have that ability to, be able to look at that and we don't know how other people are wired in regards to how their suffering is or is not and so i think that you, know, you look at a lot of uh, you know different groups around the the world that take away mothers specifically so that little boys at seven years old are completely desensitized from anything that their mothers would tell them not to do and that's been you know something happening around the world for for centuries and I think that the suffering part of it, it's like for a lot of people, it's how much you are kind of beholden to your emotions. And so some people are very emotional and they live completely by their emotions. And they're just kind of a mess because they're just kind of careening from one crisis to the next. And then you have other people who, I mean, you're in Britain where it's a stiff upper lip and it's just like, you know, tut, tut, cheerio, you know, say no more, say no more. It's just, you know, keep calm and carry on. Oh, Oh, look. Oh, a bomb just dropped. Oh, it's fine. Just keep going. It's fine. Daddy. There's something coming from the sky. Keep walking, keep walking, keep walking. It's fine. So, you know, and I'm sure that that was a beautiful thing at the moment where you have bombs coming around and you have to figure out how to be able to handle it. And the person who, and that does go to the Viktor Frankl work, but that really wasn't my focus, but it's still, how do we get into that perspective of not allowing the suffering to overtake your life because somebody who becomes incredibly depressed or in a state of anxiety or it becomes almost like I I think even for a lot of people with the pandemic I think a lot of people become agoraphobic being around a lot of people I know that over the weekend they were showing all sorts of college football stadiums filled with hundreds of thousands of people and for the first time ever it looked weird to see that many people that close without masks on their, their arms out it was just like Oh my God. And we've been doing that since the beginning of time. It's just that in the last 18 months we got acclimated from staying away from each other. So I think that there's nothing wrong with suffering. It is definitely a part of life, but I also think that the conscious path is to be able to find out ways to not allow that boat to be tipped over. It's how do you manage and process your emotions in a healthy way that they don't become maladaptive or an addiction or an obsession or compulsion Because that's what happens to a lot of people. And I know as a hypnotherapist, that's really a lot of what you deal with is the maladaptive behaviors that people create based on their suffering that is actually not even related to the original suffering that they even had. Because being pissed off that your mom didn't pay attention to you and you're smoking, you know, that is taking something that's lit on fire and sucking it into your lungs has nothing to do with your mother's breast. But for some reason, you've conflated the two. So now you're sucking on a cigarette every 10 minutes instead of a, of a nipple. So it's like, you know, it's, it's that correlation of where it's like, how did you compare them? Well, in the mind they got conflated and now the hypnother- hypnotherapist and the psychotherapist has to come in and unravel all of that.
0: But that, that's, uh, and that, that's where we kind of, you have the pain and the, the coping mechanism for the pain, right? It's where we try to uh, k- keep cheery and carry on. And we're using the in this example, the, the cigarette as or the tobacco as a way, uh, as a means to uh, cover over the pain and not allowing ourselves or not allowing ourselves to experience the pain and deal with the pain. Um, and that but it's when the pain comes up that our perception of it uh, that's the suffering. That's the way I look at it. How how would you fit it into that, that perspective, Barbie?
4: Absolutely. I mean, one of the things that uh, I was a, a film studies minor in college, and one of the things that we did is we looked at the fact that if you look at throughout time and history, a lot of different movies were specific cathartic opportunities to be able to get out fear. So for example, if you looked at The 1950s, you had all those science fiction movies like The Tingler and The Blob and It Came From Outer Space and The 50 Foot Woman and all those things because people were terrified about Sputnik and, and Space Race and all these aliens and things like that. So you saw a lot of those things in pop culture. And then you could go to a movie theater on the weekend on a date and you could scream your head off and you could basically get those emotions out that were fear about the unknown. And if you look out through history, a lot of our films and our TV and our pop culture, they're reflections of ourselves of the things that we have shadow work that we want to don't want to see and the things that we do want to see. I mean, right now, all of that kind of stuff with the you know, you look at a lot of these filters, I personally don't even know what all of these filters are. And some of them look sweet with the little sparkles and the butterflies and everything else. But now you have human beings who have put so many filters on themselves that they're unrecognizable and they look almost like cartoon characters. And people are actually having plastic surgery to look like their Instagram filter. So mm-hmm. it's like that art copying life and life copying art, which one is it with that pop culture idea It's the kind of thing of where that is somehow a piece of suffering that, oh no, I can't be this real person in real life with my real body and my real face. I have to now have this false artifice thing. But now if I meet people in person, they need to see this fake filtered version of myself too, which isn't really you. And it never was, but it is a form of of separation of those different pieces. And I think the, the suffering comes because people long to be this idealized version of themselves and they're actually not so then they start to feel like they don't measure up and then start having all these other places of where they find that suffering is optional
0: yeah for sure and uh, just relating back to what you were saying before i think uh, there are people people that feel deeply and they oftentimes uh, they can attach to the 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 feelings as they rise up and then they end up suffering more Uh, but I think as as you allow yourself to experience those feelings or the the emotions uh, over time that's how you build up your emotional intelligence by allowing yourself to uh, basically experience the pain without attaching to it uh, and not allowing yourself or choosing not to uh, suffer from the pain but rather to allow the pain to go through as an experience. Um, so, I, um, but then, of course, you have those that are desensitized, as you were describing. Uh, I think Ale- Alexander the Great and the Spartans are probably very good example of uh, what you're describing about children, uh, sons being taken away from their mothers to make sure that they don't get too weak. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, the, those cases, it, I think, is more about desensitization, uh, and it's. You, there are different functions, you know, computer games and stuff like that. Violence in movies um, can create desensitization, desensitizations within uh, people as well. Uh, and that's that's in the, the, those cases you are you're disconnected from the emotion, so you, you're not even suffering from the emotion because you can't even rec- you can't even recognize that there's pain in the emotion um uh, but you are suffering because you aren't uh feeling anything so there is there can be suffering in, in the desensitization as well
2: uh well, if
4: so. I say one more thing about that too in the sense or what you're talking about too is that i think that the more i mean i know there are a lot of things now that i can't watch that so i used to be able to watch where just gratuitous violence and things of where i'm just like i'm not not really down with it before I think before he just kind of like it looked normal. And now I just look at it and I'm just like fast forward. But I think that's also that the more conscious that you become, the more on a spiritual path or the more that you awaken yourself, the more you also have to acknowledge your feelings as being valid, no matter how deep and emotional and out of sorts they are when you, you know, boys were called sissies and don't feel that way. And you don't cry and all the other kind of stuff. So when you find that opportunity to, to, as an adult, step into that space and honor those emotions you also have to pick people that are going to be able to keep your emotions or help you to navigate them so it's also i think your job older later in life as you unfold to be able to find people that you know that will hold those in in high regard with TLC and they won't poo poo them and so anyone in the past who wasn't okay with your emotions or what you were feeling like you don't have to necessarily have those people in your inner sanctum so in your inner sanctum you should find people that support your your heart goals and want to also assist you. But if you're being completely ridiculous, of where you know you see, I think there was that movie with Brendan Fraser where he wanted to be emotional and then he saw a sunset and then the girl was like, you know what, I can't. I, she thought she wanted a romantic guy, but he kept seeing the sunset and writing her poetry, and she was like, yeah, I, I need to leave because I can't do this. And some guy was like, yo, you want me to go like you know go have a beer somewhere? And she's like, yeah, because it was just too. <laughs> so I don't remember what the movie was but it's still that kind of thing of where be careful what you wish for in that sense
0: yeah no for sure but there is uh, someone for everybody right so someone uh, who who would uh, appreciate that level of sensitivity that would be fine um but uh sure there is it's all the balance at the end of the day and it's it's more about what you how you ex at the end of the day you also have to you have to choose how you ex kind of experience the the amount or the emotion you allow it to come up your experience of it or your perception of it is going to be how do you express in your words your thoughts and your actions right and that's going to be part of that uh
2: thank you christopher what i was um thinking is also what came to mind was also um Shrikumar Rao has been uh, talking about that for some time and Ecktap told even even more is um regarding that suffering discussion um about being in the now so um you don't uh, you don't necessarily know the bigger picture and mm-hmm. what feels like something painful to go through you don't understand why you have to go through this challenge but it sucks and you don't like it, but it actually leads you to something greater, uh, a bigger version of yourself, or you've just uh, acquired skills or aptitudes that will support you on a greater level. And, and so there is that mindset that I think is so important in the way you will experience that suffering or pain. And in that, um, in that logic, Also, I think a huge part of how you will experience events that you don't want to experience in life um, is the, the sense or the meaning. So for instance, if you are on a journey, like you've decided you will run a marathon, running 42 kilometers, you're so unfit. But this is important for you because let's say that that's, that would be a celebration to something you just did very important, like uh, healing for, from cancer or something like that. So you're in that mind, mindset. And, and so you know you will suffer, but you accept that idea and you do your training and you succeed, you do your marathon. So each time you encounter really painful pain in your body, emotional pain, exhaustion, if you feel you are on a mission, this is something important for you, then it is, Then, then you, maybe you won't experience it as, um, as a, such a bad experience. You accept it. Whereas someone who feels lost in life in general, they, they, they cannot find a sense or meaning, a direction, then every challenge comes and feels really big and, and overwhelming. Um, and so I think that suffering and pain is is uh, really entangled into larger dimensions of how we see our life experience. Where if we have that sense, that inner compass, or or not. And and so I think it's um, it's also a good indicator of maybe where you are.
0: I totally I would totally agree with that, Melly. Uh... So yeah, in terms of the path to being able to recognize that, you know, how how do I perceive suffering? Uh, if we look at the Buddhistic tra- tradition uh, there, they're talking about once you can uh, achieve right understanding, intention, speech, action, livelihood, effort, mindfulness, and concentration, then you will realize uh, your own suffering and you can then change your mindset about the pain that you're experiencing to not suffer so the pain is always going to be there but you thinking about it as pain is bad actually causes the suffering so if you have the right understanding and tension about it uh, and these things all come down to choice and what you can control so if i know what i can control i can't control what everybody does or says so if someone says something that triggers me i can't control that i can't control what they say i can't control the emotion that comes up but i can control my way my way of thinking about it i can control how i react to it in terms of my words and how i act towards that person but also i can control how my thoughts go in relation to the emotion and the triggers say, hmm, I wonder where that comes from? How can I heal that so that I don't need to experience this trigger in the future? So it's all about how we work through that pain as opposed to uh, reacting from the, the perspective of the pain.
1: Thank you very much. Um, yeah, very interesting insights from the Buddhists, and I'm gonna throw a little bit from Stoic perspective as well. Please so, do. Uh when Barbie was saying um about the great Grand Canyon, this is one of my favorite places uh in this planet. I absolutely love this place. And what I realized actually that sometimes when you know when the days are darker, I miss that place. And you know, a few times I I, I felt like, oh my god, I really wish to be. In that place again just experience that spaciousness and be in that moment with this group of people get back momentarily to that to that place and that creates the, the moment even though this was one of my um, best memories in my life that now creates a little bit of uh, sense of loneliness or longing, and it's something that I desire that cannot be satisfied now. Especially, you know, even like a few months ago, because we were in, living in the middle of a global pandemic. So there is no easy to travel from um, UK to Grand Canyon. So what would Sto- uh, stoic philosophy taught me about this? Is rather than thinking about this as painful experience that there is something that I desire to experience again. I'm thinking about this, oh my God, I'm so lucky that I have had this experience, that I got something to come back with my memory, uh, in my memories. How lucky I am that I've been to that place. I experienced all of those beautiful emotions. And it's part of me. It's the part of me that created who I am now, that is always going to stay with me, no matter whether I am going to get back there or not. It's not important because it's always part of me. It's always a thought away.
0: The way I would deal with something like that, and nostalgia is, even though it, we can feel the mixed emotions with nostalgia, because you have the element of your memory, the emotion attached to the memory of the. Uh, how the the grandeur of if we take the grand canyon now i've never been there but i can imagine the it's like the grandeur and the uh the the greatness of the universe and all of those emotions that come up within you but uh, when you're sitting uh, in that moment where you're looking back and you're being nostalgic about it you have that emotion mixed with the fact that you're longing for or missing that so there's a bit of sadness in that and so what I typically do when I come up against those situations is I, I look for okay where, where uh, where is the emotion that is, um, that I can remember from that moment, so I can separate that from the sadness and say okay well I understand there's sadness as well because I, I don't have that right now but how can I bring the, the positive emotion into my current state and allow just that to the to come through my body. So that I obviously, I, again, I can't control the emotions that come up. But I can control the thoughts that perpetuate the, uh, the emotion. So if I keep thinking, Oh, I miss it, I miss it, why don't I have it now and start going into that feeling of lack, then I will perpetuate the negative emotion around it. But if I start thinking, how grateful I am for having experienced, like you were saying, uh, Carol, how grateful I am for having experienced that and start thinking in those positive uh, ways and perhaps thinking, what could I do to experience that in the future? Um, Then I start uh, actually perpetuating the positive emotion and then I release the sadness and I can sit with only the positive emotion, right?
3: Thank you. Um, Yes, well, in my experience, I have uh, lived since I was born into the um, pain thing, because I I have suffered from health issues throughout my life. Uh, So pain has been a constant. And it's interesting because in the same way, the concept of pain and suffering has been changing and transforming, I I like to call it that way. So suffering for me, this point of my life uh, has come like uh, uh, Millie was saying. Uh, it's more like an opportunity, an invitation to meaning. Uh, it is a choice in the sense that there are certain situations um, in which I can choose, right? Uh, because, um, yeah, I can choose not to suffer in those ones, but there are some That I have tried so hard for a long time, and I couldn't couldn't stop suffering, especially when I was a kid. So for me, it was a big thing when they said you don't have to suffer all the time, right? Because I said I I have no control over it; it just comes to me. So the whole point of having it as an opportunity, an invitation to meaning, made made more sense to me because it was it was I was free. I was free of the responsibility in a way, you know, that the burden of like, it's my fault that I'm suffering. <laughs> it became my fault, not the situation. So the opportunity and the invitation to meaning in some cases was perfect because then I was just focusing on something else, not really in the pain or the suffering. So that's that's my, my take on it.
0: Yeah, no, thank you for uh, sharing your experience, uh, Jesse, and, uh, you know, physical illnesses are probably the the ones that we often come up against, uh, okay, how do I work through this, and how, how can I find meaning in this, right, and uh, we'll take a look at, in a moment's time, we'll take a look at uh, the techniques I've developed uh, to get to understand the meaning, because I'm sure if someone came up to you, Jesse, and said, well, just find your meaning and your suffering, then you'd be like, huh? <laughs> when, when you haven't actually started looking at it, right? Then uh, you it, it's like telling a kid to toughen up, right? Yeah. Uh, and the kid goes, I don't know how to toughen up. How do I do that? So from the perspective I have, the difference is really... The difference between suffering and not suffering in any given moment is the preparedness uh, and uh, to accept the pain and how you can, uh, you know, prepare yourself to get into the stage of seeing meaning or accepting, accepting that the pain is there and accepting that is something that you go through. So perhaps, you know, instead of toughen up, how can I help you build resiliency? How can I help you uh, move through this pain? Uh, because the pain is going to be there anyway. How can I help you rather than toughen up? Right. Um, but
3: I still do see suffering not as a bad guy. You know, I I don't think it's it's I don't think that the that we have to reject suffering all the time. I think it's even healthy sometimes to suffer. I do believe that. It, okay. it, in, 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 in certain moments, okay? It's not rejecting suffering all the time. It's, it's good. I, I understand the point of like suffering for meaningless things, you know, or, you know, just perpetuating the suffering, you know, or what you were talking previously, you know. Um, but, but yes, I, I do believe that you have ex- have to experience it and prepare to experience it in a different way not in the oh my god this is suffering and i have to get rid of it or i don't like it
0: that's interesting perspective jesse and i appreciate uh, that you bring it up oftentimes i feel that we do need to experience both aspects of an experience in order to know what which one we desire so sometimes you say as you say we we might have to experience the suffering in order to know. What it's like to not suffer
3: exactly right?
0: uh, but i the suff- i see I see that more perhaps as well yes you' uh, I see where you're coming from in terms of experiencing the pain and experiencing the suffering. if you experience the suffering, then you can come to a fork in the road where you say, "I choose to not suffer anymore, right
3: yeah. Exactly, because then you see suffering in a different way. You don't see it as the enemy, as you are hiding from it. No, Mm -hmm. you're there and it's there and you can deal with it.
0: But once you make that choice, then you don't need to suffer anymore, right? Then you're done with that, the suffering. That's
3: not my experience. <laughs> but,
0: no, 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 no. Of course not. But uh, <laughs> but
3: I wish I wish I could say that, but uh, n- that is not my experience.
0: No, of course not. I mean, there, there are new situations that come up. But does that give you the understanding that you can choose to suffer or not to suffer? That it's you don't need to suffer if you don't choose to do so.
3: Yeah, I guess, are there levels of suffering? So uh, maybe that can explain it, but I don't know. But it does make a different sensation. Like I can feel it differently than years ago, for example. Mm -hmm. I can see the difference very clearly, how I suffered before in the same kind Mm -hmm. of experiences. So, yeah.
0: Beautiful. Well, thank you for that, Jesse. That's a great perspective and I appreciate that. Thank you uh
2: thank you um i really liked uh, what jacy just shared shared and um, i that brought to me the idea of the um our suffering is also well it's hard to totally avoid it and and what is linked to it and is so important is empathy and i think um going through some painful struggling suffering experiences um, uh, is also activating our empathy for others that would go through similar experiences, and and thus put us in a in a position to maybe help or support. So there is there is nothing that is um, totally dark into experiencing suffering because at the end of the day being able to feel for others is something that is totally key in the way we interact with each other and in the way we build a better world. So at some point, the I, I suppose the idea is to, to free as much suffering as we can from the human experience. Um, but uh, in the meantime, um, being empathic and being able to, to feel for others um, is is incredibly important and and the other thing i wanted to to maybe share was that often in life we define our who we are by the suffering moments and and painful experience we've we've gone through and and sometimes it's not serving us in the best manner in the way we act in our life today and and so I'm not talking here about really tragic events like losing someone you you dearly love, but I mean, um, little suffering experiences that you've been through in your life. uh, You can sometimes, when you are in a uh, more enlightened mindset, go and revisit time and adjust with your new way of seeing things, Uh, adjust a little bit how you remember to add light to the memories and just those little adjustments into moments that you feel you still carry with you today and try to make them a little bit lighter um, can help a lot in, can, 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 can take you a long way into, into stepping in even more easiness and and flow into your life today. Um, So yeah, just just that.
0: Well, I think the reframing of our experiences from a perspective of suffering towards a perspective of gratitude, uh, I think that's what you're describing, Mali, right? Uh, so looking back at yes. past experiences and saying, okay, well, there was a lot of pain in that, but what did I learn from it? Then you realize that you didn't, you suffered, but you can now take away uh, uh, something to be gra- grateful for, from that experience, as opposed to perpetuating the suffering, by seeing yourself as a victim through that process or through that pain. Right? So yes. the...
2: and Yeah, go ahead. And sometimes there is a gap, you realize there is a gap, for instance, in my, um, in my own experience, um, I've been I've gone through some uh, painful events in in my early childhood that had made me be certain that I was not worth being on this walking this herd, and 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 so it tainted the way I experienced a lot of events in my life. But then when I talk about these events with other people, they will come with a totally a, a totally a different perspective, I and mean, they would say, "Oh my God, you were so good! You dealt with that. How you?" you thought of that and etc but when I was doing it when I was in it to me I was I was absolutely terrible I was doing thing in a in a catastrophic manner I wasn't good I was etc so you have this um, this very heavy way of um, you you like you are beating yourself out of that all the time where people have another understanding of the situation and then these gaps, you know, you can you can revisit them at some point in your life if you if you feel ready, exactly. And uh, so, yeah, sometimes we we go through um, unnecessary suffering just because we are still tainted with heaviness by past events.
0: Yeah, for sure, and it's the uh, that core wounding that when we're going through as children, that when we look back as adults, we don't understand necessarily why we were suffering as children because we're now looking at it from a perspective of the adults uh, perspective as it were right so the the suffering is really how we perceive our pain how we choose to perceive our pain so whether that being a uh, an experience one goes through at the very at this moment or being a past experience it's And as you were saying there, uh, Melly, that personifying with the pain only perpetuates it, but to observe it without judgment allows you to release it.
4: I think, unfortunately, most people suck at being able to model how to handle suffering for people. So that's oftentimes in the sense of where in your family of origin or other places, you don't have anybody that knows how to handle their feelings. And I think, unfortunately, a lot of the you know, the ugly duckling stories apply for a lot of people who go into spiritual practices because you end up in families of where they don't know how to handle their emotions and they're not demonstrating how to, and yours are inconvenient because they're too intense or they don't know what to do with that. So I think a lot of times that's a, that's right there, a kind of an impediment and being able to handle that it's, it's the modeling. I mean, it's the same thing. Like, for example, I mean, with all, uh, you know, one out of two marriages ending up in divorce and things like that, it's like, you know, we need a lot of good role models in this world. We need good role models for for parenting. We need good role models for, for marriage. We need good role models for how to deal with suffering, et cetera, et cetera. And so you have a lot of broken people that are running around, you know, like screaming and, and yelling that, unfortunately, you know, calm down or, you know, it's not that big of a deal or it didn't hurt that bad or, you know they're trying to tell you that because ultimately they don't know how to handle their own pain. So I think that would be you know a big revolutionary thing if we had a lot of people who started focusing more on how to be able to handle that for people. But then the other thing you went back, um, you were talking about was nostalgia, and I I actually personally find nostalgia dangerous because I find a lot of people that I know who are super into it. They have an attachment somehow to the knowledge that during the time when things were happening around them in the world they were suffering, but then they attached to this uh, nostalgia part of it. And so I live in the world of Mickey. So in the world of Mickey, we have lots and lots of uh, people who are here to live out their, you know, Mickey mouse fantasies in Disneyland. But ultimately the reality is that, you know, if you had an alcoholic parent or you had this or that, and that wasn't my situation, I'm just speaking rhetorically, but you had those kind of different situations and then you go to the happiest place on earth and you do a spiritual bypass and you can smile and everything's fine and it's a small world and we're all friends and, and, you know, holding hands, that's not necessarily true. So I think that I see a lot of people who get into nostalgia, it becomes almost a crutch for them because they end up kind of fixating on the idea that the good old days were so perfect and idealized. And then when you really go back and you look at it, it really isn't what they thought it was so that's where I think that grasping for straws for things that you think are going to kind of change your perception and sanitize it that also is just as as bad to me because then you're going to ultimately find it that if you've swept it under the rug eventually it's going to be under there and it's going to be bigger than you thought it was
0: Uh, when you attach yourself to something and it doesn't matter whether it's a Past, present, or future event, or as a person or a thing, when when you create that attachment, then you create that uh, you attach your happiness to that particular thing. And once that thing doesn't exist anymore, that then your perception of happiness disappears as well. So uh, I think it's valuable, perhaps, if you if you've experienced happiness at some point in the past. And you're sitting now where you have no uh, or you can't feel happiness, to just to evoke the feeling within yourself so that you can hold it in your present moment, then thinking back to that emo- or to that event and just just to allow you to evoke it within yourself and then release the actual memory and hold that feeling within yourself in the present moment. That's where the value is. But then you're not attaching to the event itself you're just using the event the past event as a, as a trigger to evoke that emotion within yourself what's your thought what are your thoughts on that
4: yeah i would i would agree with you but i, I think too that it's uh it's the awareness of it that is the first thing because a lot of times I think that that's the the bypass is to go into the the thing that oh isn't this sweet and you know they talk about oh as american as apple pie well i know that if you go to alaska you find out that A- apple pie was there because um there's so many fascinating stories about lyresville about the, all the people during the golden staircase in 1800s who had to bring their 2,000 pounds of stuff otherwise they got snowed in for 10 months and an apple pie meant that the uh, prostitutes at the brothel basically they put them together and the first millionaire in alaska actually didn't make money in gold she actually made money from all the Leftover canned goods that people had, and she ended up making pies for people, and she ended up cashing in their misery and suffering into a lucrative business. So it's like you know, like they always say, you know, one man's treasure is another man's trash. It's that kind of thing over you recycle it. So you can always look at different facets of it. That's why a diamond is so beautiful. You look at a diamond on on one's facet it's red, on the one's facet it's orange, on one facet it's yellow. There's so many different facets to it. But, you know, if you just look at it as just a diamond colored and it's clear, you're missing the point. Once we can
0: observe, and you guys have heard me talk about this a lot as well, but the if you perceive your experiences from your awareness as opposed to being the emotion, then you can choose how you perceive that emotion in itself. So if you have sadness coming up, instead of moving into being the sadness and being the thoughts that come up relating to the sadness Uh, observing that sadness from your awareness saying i have sadness coming up i feel the sadness it's painful but i can now think i can now direct my thoughts not in not directing your thoughts like to get rid of the sadness but to understand the sadness in it uh, and where it comes from and so forth so i think a lot of times where we go wrong where we try to get rid of the pain we create more suffering because we are kind of going into the uh, love and light (laughs) way of uh, kind of moving through emotion that as long as i think about something else positive then the pain will disappear and i don't have to experience the pain but the whole point of building the emotional intelligence is to experience the pain. And uh, Melly was talking about uh, uh, empathy and compassion before or empathy. Um, The only way to experience empathy is or empathy is essentially experiencing the pain or the emotion that someone else is going through uh, without necessarily holding the pain of that emotion. But the only way for you to recognize that emotion is to have had that experience yourself so that you can actually name it. So the the more emotions that you experience and that you can name, the better your emotional intelligence becomes and more uh, empathic uh, you actually uh, become towards others. Because you you can now relate with them, uh, relate to them uh, at a different level. so, in terms of observing these emotions from that awareness as opposed to directly jump into them and be that emotion, is a practice that we we get through mindfulness and meditation because when we're sitting in meditation we we kind of uh, we we become aware of ourselves from a different perspective, uh, and we can observe our thoughts and so forth. So the so what why the techniques I use, uh, as I promised before, I was going to talk about, is to show, look at the com- uh, you know have compassion for yourself and the the uh, uh, the emotion that comes up, and accept that you're having the experience uh and forgiving yourself for you know whatever you you know oftentimes we can have uh, the emotion comes up we have a thought and accept that we have that thought but a lot of times we beat ourselves up uh, saying that oh i shouldn't be thinking that way but accept that we have that thought and forgive yourself for that and say okay well i recognize i had that thought now i choose to have this thought and understand what the what's the 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 gift or the 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 lesson that i can get from the the emotion as it comes up if you can go through all those things then the suffering doesn't necessarily need to be there you get the experience out of it
1: this is very wise christopher what you're saying of course that's um I'm not discovering the America of saying that. Uh, <laughs> but of course, what is uh really important as well is the fact that a lot of people try to defeat um the negative emotions with something positive. So they are striving for happiness, and sometimes the happiness is this uh is that you know that that goal. First of all, a lot of people cannot define what the happiness is. Mm. So, you know, how we can strive for something that we don't know what it is. Because sometimes in our daily life that we lack this awareness and understanding of what is going on within us. We are so detached from happiness that we cannot even tap in like, what does it mean to be happy? So rather than striving for happiness, the contentment is something that we should strive for. Because the contentment with the fact that we are alive, we experience emotions, the contentment can go, be achieved pretty much experience anything. You know, because you can be contented at any point, in at any given point, that you are alive, that you go through suffering. And I think it's not Barbie who brought uh, Victor Frankl today, but I think the, you know, the men search for, for meaning. This is the, the book about contentment, about how to be content, uh, how to find the appreciation of everything that arises. We yeah. don't have the control of the situation that we are in. Mm. So sometimes it's about getting as comfortable as we can in the most uncomfortable position. So we don't have impact or control whether we are going to be, you know, in the hell on earth, but try to get as more as as comfortable as, as possible in those would situations. I,
0: would I dare to uh, describe contentment as the counterbalance to suffering? Or the opposite of
1: is it really opposite of? I don't well, I suppose
0: or rather when you don't suffer you you discover contentment. So when you when you when you choose not to suffer, then you choose to be content.
1: Yeah, because you can still feel pain and be content and you know feel appreciation and gratitude. So I suppose I was thinking initially when you said that, I was thinking that contentment and suffering are a different dimension but actually you know it might be useful to think about them as two ends of the same continuum
0: yeah the uh, different choices how to perceive your pain pain either you're content in your pain or you're suffering in your pain right
4: yeah
0: so yeah no i like that and the Viktor frankl's work there is really important uh, when when we're looking at suffering and i mean that his whole work was really about how to perceive your suffering right so it's it's when you can move through or when you can get perspective of your pain that and uh and you can understand it that will then give you hope and the hope will then release you from the suffering
4: i just wanted to say that i think that one of the most difficult parts about suffering is the fact that there is no actual- um, duration that is given that is appropriate for whatever it is you're able to purge out so, for example, if I know that I have a tube of toothpaste I know that if I squeeze it from the top or the bottom doesn't matter i'm going to keep squeezing it might even cut it open and. Just pull out whatever is inside of it, but once it's done it's done a lot of times grieving and and suffering and things like that people aren't clear as to how long it is, but I mean you see people aware. You know, there's certain women that their husbands die. And then after that, they become widowers for they wear black for the rest of their lives. I mean, I think Queen Victoria did that and other queens throughout time and things like that where just they're just in mourning for the rest of their lives. So to some people, that's decorum and other people, it's a it's the way that they feel about it. So if you have a child who has a situation where they have a temper tantrum, we usually give the kid a certain amount of time. And then after that, they, we tell them that you should be over it but it's like, how long does it take for it to be over it? The child is gonna be the person to determine it, but the adult needs the child to get in the car and go to school and smile and be compliant and get in, you know, and be well-behaved at the store and they need to have this. And, you know, I mean, I remember watching a whole thing about advertising and they were saying that in cereal aisles, at least in the United States, um, where there's a lot of sugar and salt in cereal aisles, they deliberately put all of the sweet, horrible, cereals at the very bottom that are close to two to five-year-olds so that when they're walking by that's exactly where their eye level goes to and i can't tell you how many times i've seen those little same little ones who will literally throw themselves in the middle of the cereal cereal aisle that they have to have fruit loops and they get their big boo-boo tears and they'll basically you know stomp their feet and they throw a temper tantrum and then the mom is embarrassed and then she just throws the fruit loops into the cart and then the kid figures ha 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 I got you. You basically, I know your weak spot. I know how to get Fruit Loops. Now I know how to be able to throw a temper tantrum and you're going to be embarrassed. And so you're going to give in, but it's the, it's that kind of stuff in the sense of where, when is enough? I mean, there's no prescription of the fact that, oh, you know, your dad died. So oh, you get three months to be able to grieve it, or you get this amount of time to be able to suffer over it. But now that it's six months over, yeah, he died six months ago, he should be over it. So I think that's the part in in our own exploration of our own suffering to see about where I know that, you know, they talk about suffering being optional, but I think that ultimately it's still, there are all these different people that are walking around with different phases of suffering and pain, but we don't necessarily know what percentage of their process has been taken down to that space we don't know if they're in the beginning of it or the end of it but you know you look at the suicide rate in the last couple of years I mean that's definitely gotten a lot higher in the sense of where we didn't have those same situations so it's still allowing people to have their process I think is also important and I don't know how it would be you know you look at a kid they need to go to church and you say okay I know you're sad and I know you're having a temper tantrum, but you know, once you're done with church, you can come back and you can cry all you want. I mean, I don't know if that's a, an indulgence that you give to a kid or not, or if that's the right thing, but it's still that kind of stuff of where at least the kid needs to know, Hey, to be continued, your, your feelings aren't wrong, but you need to go into this situation now where you need to behave a particular way, which is the same thing as an adult going to a job. You have to go to a job and behave a particular way. And that's why they called it going postal was the people who literally had nervous breakdowns and came in and became homicidal. So we want to make sure that people don't get to a point of where they're at that breaking point. So I guess my last comment here was just in the sense of where it's important in the exploration to find out how deep is the reservoir of getting those negative emotions out of your system. And then from there, you can be able to work with them. But if they are half chopped off of where you get to express them 50% and the rest of them, you have to stuff down or or sublimate or you're told don't be angry or don't act like this or don't frown then that stuff is still stuck in there and it needs to have an opportunity to find a way to get out
0: there, there is the different or the challenge of having so allowing someone to move through their pain because you know grieving is a series of pain that you go through and i think there's seven different stages or something five different uh, depending on what school you subscribe to. Um, but it's the how you perceive yourself at each of those stages or perceive your own experience on those stages that is going to perpetuate or establish the suffering. So if you're, uh, you may, one stage you might move through quicker because it's, you don't perceive it as, as relevant to you. And another ones can take a lot longer because you find yourself victimized in that stage. So, uh, I think at, I don't know. You know, it's it's based on the individual situation. But oftentimes, sitting down and allowing person to express themselves uh, can at least dissipate the situation at that stage um, and allow them to express their emotions and and perhaps give them the choice to say, well, this is what suffering is. How do you want to move through this emotion and, uh, you know, work with them through that. So yeah, no, I, I know having children and having temper tantrums in restaurants and, uh, in the supermarkets, it's, uh, Challenging situations, say the least, but <laughs> not suffering for the kid only, it's suffering for everybody else around as well. So how, how do we choose to move through that? And how do we choose to act, think, and uh, speak in those situations?
2: Yeah, thank you. Um, I wanted to challenge a little bit um, the control, part of the discussion we've had, because um, I think that thinking that we have no control about something, is part of the suffering, and uh, because to some extent that means that we've lost our seniority, we've we've lost um, the power we can have on on things. We forgot, and and I think that is a big part of the way we experience and the painful way we might experience something. So so I, I wanted to challenge that because I think that at any moment we always have a, an incredible control about how things can go from that point on and how we can experience it. So, so that was just that because um, yeah, feeling that you have no control and so you wait and it's, um, it, it, might just be, it might just be an illusion, a persistent one that feels really real, but at the end of the day that we can disentangle from whatever is upsetting us and, and find our way back to our power and, and pose and say, wait a moment. I, there is a silver lining into this. There is a good way to go through this. Um, I'm saying that, but I'm, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm not saying that I'm the best at it. It's just I, I maintain that idea in, inside of me. Could I suggest
0: um, perhaps it's a, a question of understanding what you can control and what you can't
2: control? Right, but at the end, like, um, th- this is a difficult topic. But let's say if you lose a child, and this mm-hmm. is the most tragic thing, you have still some parents that will create nationwide, uh, nation nationwide networks of preventing drunken, uh, the, uh, what do you say in English, drunken driven, um, because that's how they lose their, their child. So you can transform and save children's life from your own incredible tragedy, or you can just really go through life with that. And so, so that's where there is that sort of always choice. And there is not one way that is good and one that is not, but, uh, depending on who you are, who you are, Uh, life experiences, your life trajectory, then you can always make, I think, find a way to make things uh, give sense to what is happening to you. And the sense we've talked about it, you talk about it, I think is most important. It's really key. And, And the other thing I was also thinking is that that relationship with time, in the way we're understanding from recent science, I'm talking Newton and so, it's that time is linear. But it's been proven again and again in most recent years, especially thanks to quantum physics, that it might not just, it might not be that way. And the way we experience time might be just much more complex. We might be interacting at any moment to different dimensions and simultaneous, streams of time past future present. so it it might just be just much more complex and um that might be free a lot of upset upsetting feelings we have about time that it's been that much time i haven't seen uh this person so uh, um you know so it's going to take so much time to get to that point in my life so the relationship we have with time, I think, has, uh, has can be healed a little bit and, and ease a lot of the upsetting way we experience things. So that relationship with time is, I think, entangled in a lot of suffering in humanity. And actually, the more this new science and new way of experiencing um our relationship with time is going to probably free a lot of um a lot of pain
0: well i think the there's the choice how how we perceive or how we move through a difficult situation uh so once for most people we most people don't realize that they don't even have a choice Uh, i've been there done that you Yes me you move through your pain and you suffer through it, and then you just try to get rid of it as quickly as possible, as opposed to understanding that you have a choice and if you have if you understand that you have a choice, then you try to move through in a way that is going to be most beneficial to you um so if you take your example then of losing a child in a uh, to a, a drunk driving accident um you have the parents that decide to make their child's death uh, count as in to help others or to help prevent or to help other parents that are going through. The pain is always going to be there, but they are using that pain to then fuel uh, their energy to uh, prevent and help others. Um, And then there are some that choose to experiencing through suffering. And that's the choice we have and uh, you know accepting that we do all have that choice and there there might be some that suffer for a period of time and then move into a stage where they say no actually i choose to do this instead uh, so at the end of the day it comes down to a choice and it it is once we understand what we can control about ourselves that suffering we don't need if we don't if we, we we can choose to perceive our pain from a different perspective, then we can release ourselves from the suffering part of it the pain might still or will probably still be there but it's the way we look at the pain that will change so as uh, you know as part of the process of uh, moving through pain or th- uh, through suffering absolutely time is one of those things and what i put on patience uh, on my notes here patience and trust trusting that if you choose to you will come out the other end with something valuable to bring with you forth in the rest of your life uh, there will still be the pain there'll still be the loss there will still be all of these different aspects of it but you depending on your perspective of it you can gain something from it as well. For anybody who is suffering out there, there is help for sure. You know, go and see a uh, professional. You know, psychotherapist or a psychiatrist, or whatever it may be. Open up to your friends about your suffering. Uh, try to get as many uh, different perspectives of your suffering uh, as you can. Like Malie was saying that. You know, once she opened up about her challenges that uh, other people came with other perspectives and allowed her to uh, recognize that there are many other ways to look at any given experience and situation um, the way we experience it may not be the only one that we need to take into consideration so really in that process be kind to yourself and allow yourself to understand that at any given moment at any given time that the only thing you can do is your best you can only do your best and your best is going to be different uh, yesterday to today to to tomorrow you will always be able to do, do your best nothing more nothing less and your your best is really dependent on where you are at any given situation so You know, don't suffer in silence, don't suffer alone. Go and open up about it. Seek out people that are like minded, seek out uh, health professionals, um, and allow yourself to uh, work through this process. And of course, if you are in a stage where you are uh, suffering some from, uh, or you're suffering to the point of uh, having suicide ideation, uh, please call your emergency number in your local area or suicide prevention hotlines that exist in your country wanted to uh, thank you everybody for bringing your beautiful energies and your minds and wisdom to today's uh, discussion i appreciate it and uh, i hope to see you next week take care now everybody pain and suffering are certainly areas that are challenging to expand into and to move into understanding it from a conscious point of view and how we experience it. But if we can at least start asking ourselves the questions as to how we can deal with it in a different way and how we might be able to reconcile ourselves with our own situations, then we might actually be uh, somewhat on the way towards uh, experiencing it from a different perspective. If you want to save space to work through some of the uh, these challenges and uh, some of that pain and uh, perspective, get some perspective to that pain, uh, by all means give us a shout and contact us through thealchemyexperience.co.uk and uh, we'll offer you a 30 minute free consultation to see if we are the place for you to work through some of those experiences and uh, to gain that perspective. We look forward to either seeing you there or see you at the next podcast. Take care for now, and uh, have a good one. Bye.